Hello, I'm Jim Lippy, and this is a Connecting IT Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Connecting IT Podcast, where we sit down with industry contributors and discuss the topics and trends affecting MSPs. I'm your host, Jim Lippy, GM and Senior Vice President at Kaseya. And joining me today is Chuck Bubeck, who as of a few months ago was founder and CEO of Ease Technologies, a successful MSP in Columbia, Maryland. We're going to be talking today about MSP M&A, mergers and acquisitions. Based on some recent news, Chuck is uniquely qualified to educate our listeners on this evolving topic. So with that, I wanna welcome Chuck. Welcome, Chuck. Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here and look forward to a good discussion. Yeah, me too. So first, Chuck, let's start out. Please give us some background on yourself and East Technology for us. Sure. Uh, I was most recently founder, president, and CEO of East Technologies. Uh, Ease was a uh, managed service provider, 25 years old, uh, located in the uh, Mid-Atlantic region, right between Baltimore uh, and Washington. I started uh, Ease in 1993 uh, after spending 10 years at Apple and started off as how many uh, earlier MSP started basically doing project business and basically involved into a fully recurring revenue MSP uh, and was acquired this recent uh, November. Wow. So quite a career, 25 years in the business. You mentioned that you work for Apple, Chuck. So I think people might find that interesting and how you're uh, experience with Apple translated into your MSP business. Can you tell us a little bit how that happened? Sure. I started Apple actually right before the Mac was introduced, uh, which was 1983, and began there in a, in a technical position uh, and ended up managing uh, a good chunk of the East Coast uh, systems engineering support. Uh, when I left there in 93, um, one of the best things I learned uh, at the time at Apple was about building a culture. Uh, in, in a uh, in a workplace, and Apple at the time, of course, was not the company they are now, much smaller, but they had a very dedicated force that was very committed, and I uh, learned a lot of things there that the moment we uh, started to ease up, um, I wanted to make sure I tried to adopt some of those things. And for some people that did not know this, uh, the name Ease actually came for ex-Apple systems engineers. So that was actually just the... Uh, uh, the holder we're using, and it just turned into be a great name, and we kept it. Wow. And I read an article recently uh, about your business that said that you started out of your basement. Yep. Yes. Uh, when I left Apple, I had uh, two other former Apple people, and we uh, set up shop uh, in my basement and stayed there for uh, probably a year and a half to two years uh, till when I finally had a room full of about 10 or 12 people and my wife uh, – thought it'd be a great idea for, for us to get out of the basement because I had uh, three kids and a Labrador retriever along with that. So it was uh, it was the classic startup, um, no money, no pay for a year and a half, and having a bunch of great dedicated people who believed in, at the time, uh, the vision. Wow. That's a fantastic story. And similar to Apple and, and starting out of a uh, garage or basement. Um, so you mentioned that you sold your MSP after 25 years. Um, who did you sell your MSP to? 
I threw it to Thrive Networks out of uh, based out of Boston, who was uh, one of the people that uh, when I first started looking um, at a potential exit, they were at the top of my list. Uh, they are a, a definitely a next gen MS, uh, MSP and. Uh, of all the companies we looked at, they looked a lot like we looked, except they had a lot more resources, a lot more financial uh, backing. And um, if I was ever going to find the right home, they were pretty much an easy uh, an easy one for us to, to zoom in on. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, when did you start thinking about a potential exit? Probably actually about two years before, and I would recommend anybody that is start backing up for a while because uh, there's a lot more planning that has to go into it um, that, of course, you don't realize till you're in the middle of it. And uh, one of the first things that was important was having a, a succession plan if I was planning on leaving the business, and I was. So I immediately uh, began by making sure I was building the right environment for somebody to uh, take uh, take my place, and I did find that in a and a senior person I had worked with, I promoted him to president of the company uh, about 18 months before we sold and slowly began to uh, make sure he was able to uh, handle the all the things that go into uh, running, uh, in this case, a 55-person MSP. Um, and that was probably the, one of the best planning things I'd done. Uh, without that, I probably would have uh, not been able to both get the deal I got or probably uh, get the opportunity uh, with Thrive, who wanted to have a uh, platform to build uh, in the uh, mid-Atlantic region. Uh, that meant that they needed a company that could be functioning the day after. And in this case, it, it worked out perfectly. With 20,000 MSPs uh, that are, say, a customers, Chuck, we've got a lot of MSPs that are listening right now and mm -hmm. and probably have a very similar profile as you uh, in terms of starting the business, um, you know, contemplating what the future might hold. You'd mentioned that promoting that individual to president over the 18-month period was one of the best things you did for eventually selling. How long did that individual work for you? And how did you coach them up to be able to take on that level of responsibility? Uh, that's a good question, Jim. Actually, this particular person actually I'd hired as an entry-level network person 20 years early. So this is a person who'd been with the company for a long time. Uh, the earlier part of that was in a in a uh, individual um, technical position, and later rose to pick up more responsibility along the way. And um, I would say that when I hired this person, I probably had no idea I was going to sell or that you know they would be in the position. But it was um, clear that um, in this in this case, this individual had the right stuff to do it. And the greatest example of that is his push about 10 years ago for us to move um, you know into a traditional managed service provider business making the turn from a project-based business. Um, he had um, come and spoke to me and the CFO uh, and said that uh, the time was coming that we need to move to a managed services uh, model where we would look at reoccurring revenue and move all our customers, which were basically project-based, into this, MS, this new, at the time, MSP model. And uh, he pushed on it, and we took a chance and never turned back from that. So I always remember that as he was willing to push hard for something he believed in. And in, a, in the way fate works, he's now, the thing, he, very thing he pushed, he's now running for a, you know, a major MSP. Great. So he ended up staying on? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It was a great opportunity for him and he was ready to do it. And I think that, uh, it was a, it was a great match with the, uh, management team at, uh, at thrive. Great. So Chuck, again, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast right now thinking, okay, you know, I've had my MSP for a while. Um, the market is certainly, you know, frothy and it, it's gotten uh, a lot of, you know, public play in, in terms of, you know, new companies mm-hmm. coming in, but a lot of companies, you know, all that consolidation and people, you know, selling. So why did you sell when you did? I had, um, you know, some of it was just due to the time I had spent in the business. I was starting to get ready to, to potentially look at either, um, you know, retirement or moving to something else. And I did feel and was watching what everybody's seeing right now, which was that uh, valuations were up. There was definitely, you know, the entrance of private equity firms into this business over the last couple of years. And um, like anybody, you want to try to look for the top of the hill to uh, to sell and at the bottom of the hill to buy. And um, I was just starting to feel that uh, I sensed that was the time was coming soon. So we started to put some things in motion. I was prepared to probably put a couple more years into it if it if it made sense to. Um, it was going to be dependent upon you know the opportunity that showed up. In the case of Thrive, um, there was an instant uh, fit with them that kind of made me speed things up. Uh, during our first discussions with Thrive, I was intended on potentially working it for another year or so. And as time went on, I realized um, it it it, um, it just felt like the right time. Um, you know, time will tell whether this was you know, the peak or the bottom. But I think anybody looking at that cannot just look at that because this uh, you go back through history. Um, it is a series of waves and impossible to catch the perfect wave. I think you have to just uh, go on you know, where you are, where you think you can grow. I think we'd also reached a point where to go to the next level for us meant much more investment and probably a larger reach that would be uh, more difficult, you know, to us to do if we stayed um, sort of alone. Um, it, it, It looked that if I wanted to see the employees I had, this individual who, you know, was promoted to president, you know, really take off um, the best chance for that was in this, um, you know, this marriage that happened. Great. So those MSPs right now that are listening and thinking about, okay, it, it's, it's time for me there. They made any quality MSP operation right now is getting a lot of calls, yep. right? They're getting calls from private equity firms that are asking about uh, roll-up opportunities. If they're, if, you know, look coming in, take a closer look at the business. Yep. I'm sure you're getting those same calls on a weekly basis. Absolutely. So, I was probably getting an email a day and probably a call every day or two. Okay. So with with all that activity, where did you meet Thrive and how did those the conversation start? Uh, actually, it comes back to Kaseya, actually. Uh, we, uh, I had been invited down to uh, a Kaseya M&A conference in Miami uh, last uh, November, a year ago, this past uh, November, and went and uh, watched a lot of the material presented on the M&A side. And actually, one of the presenters um, was actually um, Rob Stevenson from Thrive and Got a, got a quick introduction. We chatted for probably five or 10 minutes with him and somebody from the PE firm and um, kind of felt a little 
sync up there a little bit in that we kind of were talking the same kind of things about the industry and all. And that led to then the beginning of some conversations in, in early uh, in early January into February. Uh, I did not really pursue any other ones um, and pretty much stayed focused um, on this conversation with Thrive. Because again, at that time in January, I knew we were going to look to sell, but I was, I was looking for that, that thing that would get me to really feel like it was time to, to move away from a place that I spent, you know, technically, um, a third of my life, um, you know, showing up every day to this company. So that was a, it became a big decision at that point. Mm-hmm. So obviously there is a lot of synergy between the two organizations, you know, feels like from this conversation, there's a really good culture fit, but there are challenges to every deal. So, what were some of the biggest challenges of getting a deal done? Uh, good question. And they were probably, um, I think we ended up, um, you know, I look back on it. Um, I think we did pretty good in the whole process, but it is a process. And so any MSP hoping to think they can uh, jump in and have a buyer um, sit down with them for an hour and, and stroke out a check is, is is badly mistaken. There's a lot that goes into it. In this case, Thrive and their private equity firm were very, uh, very, very diligent uh, about getting the deal done. And that meant understanding the business, understanding the people, and certainly uh, the economics of it. And in our case, like every MSP, um, you fight the battle between growth and um, earnings and profitability. And we were really coming into a, a place where we were in a sharp increase uh, in our profitability, but we were probably still lower than I wanted to be. Um, and I think that one of the things that we saw initially with Thrive is they were interested where our business was going as much as where it was. And I think that that sort of philosophy probably is going to do well for them because we were not coming at the um, tail end of a hill, at the bottom of the hill. We were kind of moving upward. And I think they, they sense that and were willing to work with us knowing that. Um, and knowing that that also was, in some cases, getting me to, you know, to kind of slow down a little bit because I felt that the business was really climbing and I wanted to be judged as much as where we were going or going to be as much as we, where we have been. Um, and, um, you know, although Thrive follows every other model that has to look at, uh, you know, past performance, past profitability. I think they also kept an eye on the on the future where we had kind of built a lot of building blocks that matched where uh, where they were going. So uh, the first thing is to probably lower expectations on how quickly it'll happen. In our case, um, it was a, you know, six to nine month process. If you look from really when we first started kind of talking and getting into it, some of that was dragged out a little bit by on our end because of our indecision a little bit of what we were going to do. But um, the process is deep. I would say that there are probably several factors that every MSP needs to be, you know, be ready for, and that is basically to know their business inside and out. Because anybody who's going to spend the kind of money that's floated around on buying a business is going to want to know everything there is. Uh, and so the best time to get any housekeeping on the financial side, on the employee side, on all those side is probably not two weeks before you try to sell. So mm-hmm. the first thing is to make sure your business is on, on solid foundation. In our case, we had a great financial person who uh, made the process better. So I would certainly say having somebody who understands the finances of the business, uh, both past and future, uh, is probably a critical point. Um, in our case, we were very lucky to, to have that. Um, okay. Great advice. Great advice. So you've now been through it. So what would you tell any MSP contemplating an M&A strategy? 
uh, understand um, the financial side of their business. And I kind of just said that, but I'm kind of reinforcing that. You got to really know what, where's the money coming in, where's it going, and also keep an eye on the things that um, probably you may not have been keeping an eye on. And examples of that is contracts with customers. Um, they've got to be lengthy. They've got to be firm. Any um, uh, we went through a stage, and I know a lot of MSPs go where they have contracts that span the universe from a two-month out to no contract to month to month to you know two to three-year contracts. Uh, a buyer that looks at paying the kind of potential premiums for a, a reoccurring MSP business is going to look for a, a customer who is going to be attached to that company for a period of time. So the first thing I would recommend is any MSPs who have contracts that have outs in them for any reason to, to tighten those up because those are going to be devalued potentially when they're looked at. Uh, and you can't start that two weeks before you sell. You've got to go back through that. It's healthy to do that anyway. And in our case, um, like every MSP, you're always sort of looking at each customer that says, well, we want to have uh, you know a three month out. if We don't like something. And we were unfortunately bent a few times with some clients. And um, I would say you want to go back to those customers and lock them into, uh, you know, certainly two, three-year contracts. Uh, okay. That would be one piece of advice. Um, I think the other is to be careful with the, um, and Jim, you used the word frothy valuations, because I think there is a um, feeling that most MSPs look at their business and look at what they sometimes read about where evaluations are super high and start doing some math on the back of a napkin and assume things. Um, that probably is never the case. And I think that's where some of the um, danger is. And I know there's um, certainly a lot of material out there for MSPs to look at, to look at the real pieces that make up evaluation. And so MSPs hoping to get, you know, a tenfold uh, EBITDA valuation had better have some pretty strong IP or have a business that's probably better than 99% of the businesses out there. And unfortunately, I think that, um, you know, the gamut runs pretty wide on what, you know, that end number is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, that's really good advice, Chuck, in terms of, you know, valuation. Um, it can run uh, the gamut, as you say, full spectrum based on, again, to your point, how good those contracts are from a recurring standpoint how tight they are, um, you know, how much of the total business is based on a recurring uh, versus you know, pro a project and, and resell revenue. Um, so all things people have to consider when they start doing that back in the napkin math you, you stated uh, for their valuation. Um, so great advice. So you've been in the MSP space for 25 years. You've now had a few months to take a step back do you have any predictions for the MSP market over the next 12 to 18 months? Um, I, I, it sounds like, you know, I, I think it's still quote unquote frothy and I, I definitely see, um, you know, the, the managed services model is the model. There's no question about it. So when we made that turn, you know, it was probably more than 10 years ago, you know, in other words, abandoning sort of project business and, you know, building this sort of monthly, um, um, reoccurring revenue cycle with clients. I think this model now is the model. Um, and, you know, in fact, Jim, when I first started speaking to you, you know, we were having to educate clients on what MSP models are. We're now way beyond that, where anybody who's contacting a new customer is probably taking them from an existing MSP. So the the, tra the, the training or the learning curve is there, is gone now. Um, and I think it 
again, it creates great opportunities for MSPs that, you know, decide that this isn't the time to sell. Um, this is also probably a great time to, to build their business because I think MSPs have found themselves inserted between the customer and the rest of the world, which is an envious position to be on. The proof of that is vendors and cyber companies, et cetera, that want to talk to customers are, are coming through that the customer's partner, and that is the, you know, the managed service provider. So I think it's a great time to be one. I think the consolidation that everybody's been talking about for the last five years is still going to happen and probably will speed up. Um, there are a lot of MSPs uh, you know, across the country and across the, the world, and there's probably um, a great opportunity, and we'll see more where there will be you know, MSPs joining together. And then as um, the private equity firms continue to invest in the market, I suspect there'll be some many more regional, larger players. So I think it's a great place to be. Um, the tools have gotten great, makes, uh, makes being a good MSP uh, uh, much easier. So I'd also say that would be a another plug to make sure that you've got the right tools to run your business. There's no way we would have ever been able to sell the business or get the you know premium we got without having the tools such as Kaseya tools to ever have us to be able to run the business as tightly as we were. Great. P- appreciate the plug there, Chuck. But um, you've now stepped away from the business. You're um, moved on. So what are you doing now? I had an opportunity towards the um, towards the end of this where I'm quite involved in the tech community here uh, in uh, in Maryland, right again between Baltimore and Washington. I've been involved while I ran the company in uh, technology councils and boards, and I found um, there was a large innovation center um, being launched uh, right in my backyard, uh, and they were looking for an executive director. And in the past, a lot of the people who had been running these sort of economic development centers haven't been tech people or haven't been people who have worked out of their um, basement for free and, and work with startups. So I saw this as a great opportunity to do what I really liked, which was to the building part of the business. And um, as I joked, I now work with, uh, you know, 60,000 square foot building filled with startups. Um, and I get to work with a new startup every day, but I don't have to make the payroll. So it's the, in my case, it was the best of both worlds. So I'm able to now work with, um, with uh, watching companies as they kind of launch themselves out. In this case, it's across all industries, um, you know, both cyber, biotech, et cetera. And uh, all the skills and all the things I learned, um, you know, over the past 25 years um, applied every day with the companies I'm, I'm working here. So um, this is actually, you know, I, what was meant to be maybe a retirement has turned out to be a fun job. However, I do miss uh, the daily, the daily battle of running an MSP. That's for sure. Hmm. Well, it sounds like you've been, made a nice transition to something that's meaningful, uh, which is great because knowing you as well as I do, I know that you were not ready to retire um, no. and you keep yourself active. Um, so last question for you, Chuck, mm-hmm. uh, looking back at your entire MSP voyage, is there anything you do differently? I, you know, I, I've asked myself that my wife asked me that and I, and I'm the, the answer is yes and no. And the, the no part is because it ended very well. In other words, if I had kind of predicted how I would leave the business, um, it, it was at that or even better. So that would make you say no. The truth is, is I go through the 25 years is a long time as I go through the various pains we went through and some of the things that, um, if I'd kind of not done this and done that, maybe the path would have been different, but I still come back to the fact that I, I kind of 
could not have written a better story on how this went. And so I, um, I kind of look back at those things and go, but that would have led me on a whole nother trajectory, even if I had maybe mm -hmm. uh, made a quicker decision on something. Um, right. So I, I think the answer is more, more no than yes. Um, mm. Happy the way it came out. Yeah. So all is well that ends well. That's kind of what it's at, and it's not um, ends the MSP side. I'm still I'm still around, so don't forget about me, Jim. So I'm still <laughs> I'm still okay. here. Yeah, we yeah. won't forget about you, Chuck. Maybe yeah. we'll check back. We'll, we'll check back in with you on the see how the innovation center is is coming along um, in be the great. next year or two. Yep. Uh, but I want to thank you, Chuck, for your time today and for educating our listeners. Uh, I think this has been fantastic. This is what we want to do. We want to jam pack some valuable content into our connecting it podcast so please join us for our next connecting it podcast where we will discuss how to launch a compliance practice that can generate a lot more recurring revenue for your business until then see everybody